So any questions tonight? Okay. Uh, I'm interested in what I've uh, heard you uh, speak uh, and directly speak uh, about um, direct and indirect bhakti and our practice. And, and my question is in regards to uh, the, the nuances, the difference in our practice uh, between direct and indirect bhakti, specifically uh, in relation to things uh, like, uh, say, uh, nam seva and go seva, and the internal mood in which we are striving to obtain uh, as we practice both our indirect and direct bhakti practice. Okay, well, um, in the Bhakti Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami uh, highlights some different types of bhakti in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu of Rupa Goswami, his elder. Of course, uh, Uttam Bhakti has been defined and taught. Uttam Bhakti of the Sadaka, Sadhana version, Uttam Bhakti of the Bhava at stage of bhava and uttam bhakti at the stage of prem. And um, he's given a very beautiful and defining verse in the first chapter, maybe the 11th verse, that the whole book unfolds out of. Hmm? Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. And Anyabilashitashunyam gyan karmadi and avritam anukulena krishna anushilam bhaktir uttama. So, um, obviously, the whole book unfolds out of it. There's much to be said about it. I won't give a discourse on, on the verse in depth, but uh, the marginal um, or tatastalakshan, marginal characteristics of that uttam bhakti. And I should say that this verse is, is also based on a, an earlier verse of the Nard. Uh, uh, Pancharatra, uh, what is that verse? Bhakti Ruchite. Sarvo padi vanir muktam tatparat vena nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevarim bhakti ruchite. And then also a verse from Gopal Tapani Upanishad and a couple of verses from the Bhagavatam, one from the first canto, Savaipum Saparo Dharmo. One from the third canto, also where Kapila Muni is uh, avatar is speaking to his mother Devahuti. So um, he's distilled these verses and added something and, and defined what he calls Uttam Bhakti. It also may be called Shuddha Bhakti, Ananya Bhakti. Shuddha means pure, means not adulterated by anything else. Ananya Bhakti, exclusive Bhakti. Um, um, so that's the subject of uh, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Whereas in uh, Bhakti Sandarbha, then Jiva Goswami makes comparisons to and uh, speaks of other types of bhakti. And, um, and it's somewhat relative to your, your, your question. Um, he underscores... Uh, Jiva Goswami, certain practices of bhakti, particularly 
those outlined by or enunciated by Prahlad Maharaj, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Bandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani Vedanam, Mitupum Sarpito, Vishnu, Bhaktis Chenavalakshana, Kriyati, Bhagavati, Adha, Tanmanye, Dittam, Uttamam. Hmm? Uh, Navalakshan, Bhakti, nine, nine symptom, characteristics or types of Bhakti, hearing, chanting, remembering, um, Vishnu, and so forth. Um, in our school, really, of uh, Rag Bhakti, coming from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the, the primary limbs and wants are hearing, Shravanam, Kirtanam, chanting, and remembering. Hmm? And then Archan has a role there, kind of. Archan is in, in, inevitably, invariably steeped in some measure of, of, of Aishvarya and reverence, so kind of a half part of uh, Archon. Um, but um, these particular uh, expressions of bhakti, Jiva Goswami refers to them as surup siddha bhakti. So this is more or less what you're referring to when you say direct bhakti, surup siddha bhakti. It means these activities are bhakti whether you know it or not. Fire burns whether you think it does or not if you touch it. So hearing, chanting, hearing other people chanting, for example, the holy name, it has some effect. The chitta, the subtle, the subtle body, that which is the material consciousness, if you will. It's the, it's the internal organ that reflects consciousness proper and, and it's our organ of, of perception, if you will. So that gets impressions from bhakti, uh, from surupsita bhakti. Comparatively, or by contrast, um, picking flowers is not inherently bhakti. So you can pick and grow flowers, and it doesn't constitute bhakti, right? Um, Rupa Gosa, Jiva Goswami speaks of aropsita bhakti and sangasita bhakti. Aropsita means, what would you say, like uh, by way of designation, hmm? you make something bhakti. Hmm? Sangasita bhakti means something like those things that are part, a fire sacrifice is lighting the fire and pouring the ghee and saying the mantras. Um, gathering wood is not a fire sacrifice, but you need to gather wood. To have fire sacrifice, so there are associated things hmm, that engaging in in relation to the event itself by sangha by association become bhakti. So these might be two forms of indirect bhakti: aropsita hmm, bhakti, sangasita bhakti. Hmm. And so the implication is, of course, that they're not as powerful as sarupsita bhakti. Hmm. Then again, they're not as powerful in that they're not inherently bhakti. But bhakti, uh, the bhakti. He lists them. He speaks about them. Tanmanye ditam uttamam. And offer it to God but you give yourself to God, hmm? there's a big difference. Hmm? You give yourself to God. Do the things 
that are pleasing to God, hearing, chanting about him, and so forth. So there's this giving over, if you will, of oneself. We can also refer to it as sharanagati, as Krishna does in the Gita when he says, Sarvadharman pratyajamamekam sharanam raja. He told Arjuna, manmanabhavamat bhakto madhyajimam namaskaru. You just take, um, here's what my message is. I'm repeating it. I said it in the ninth chapter. I'm saying it again, more or less here. Become my devotee, think of me, offer your respect to me, so on and so forth. Hmm? And surely you will, you will attain me. And then he begins to speak in a very basic sense as to what it, how to embark upon that course. Hmm? We embark upon the course of bhakti uh, or become eligible to do so by way of faith, shraddha, divine faith, faith in Krishna. Hmm? Um, in, in, in Nam and so forth. Um, and in a sense, the whole culture of bhakti is a kind of a increasing of the, uh, developing, growing of the faith, which translates into experience. There's a, wor- there's a world of doubt, no doubt, and there's a world of faith. Hmm? Where the doubting function uh, of, let's say, intellect only functions in terms of doubting what, what's the best way to serve in any situation, something like that. Like Mother Yashoda's dilemma. Shall I put my son down? He's suckling my breast. Which is, he's taking pleasure in that, but the milk is boiling. So she uses her function of, of uh, discrimination, uh, the doubting function of intelligence in that way. So, at any rate, um, uh, the uh, Krishna gives the basic idea: sharanagati and faith. These are one is the outside of the other. Faith is is internal; it has an external expression. Hmm? That is sharanagati. Bhakti has written on this quite a bit. Hmm? And the term Sharanagati is, uh, is is found in 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 the sacred text. It's invoked by Rupa Goswami, as as well as uh, as an anga of bhakti, um, and it's kind of a spirit. Of course, it's sixfold. We talked about it the other day in terms of one aspect of it: accepting what's favorable, rejecting what's unfavorable. Anukulyasya sankalpa pratikulyasya varjanam iti rakshat. These six practices also have a mood behind them. The mood behind anukul, pratikul, accepting and rejecting, um, accepting the favorable, rejecting the unfavorable is, 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 uh, is, a, is like a commitment a vow, a rakshikshatiti vishvashvuk, that Krishna is my, my um, protector. That's hmm? a, uh, uh, it's vishvas. Vishvas is the, is the mood behind it, a confidence, a kind of a confidence. A gopritve varanam tata, that Krishna is my, my maintainer. The, the mood behind it is dependence and so forth. Humility and Self-resignation; those are the last two. Those are pretty clear. So, point being that we're taking this 
idea of faith, which is kind of airy and hard to, and intangible oftentimes in modern society. It's thought to be a, a departure from, from reason and, uh, and something for crazy people, uh, something like that, which is absurd. But um, indeed, reason really is most beautiful when it becomes an attendant of faith. Hmm. Um, reason is, is, is tarko pratishtan. It's a fence-sitting affair. You cannot, you cannot apprehend a thing entirely by reason. You, you can think about, for example, what the taste of the jar of honey is, but you have to open the jar and go inside. Um, faith, on the other hand, from the, from the Latin credo, it, 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 even in English, it implies action, movement. Uh, so... So there's a world of doubt where we're, we're proceeding with caution, if you will, filtering through our, our intellect. And then there's a world where we, we can move freely without having the burden of such. Because <laughs> it's a burden. Even we listen to me, or we listen with our heads, and we're not sure we're going to let everything in there. <laughs> but if I can rest your head by taking my heart language of love and translating it into logic so that your head's arrested and something can go into the, into the heart and uh, and as the heart becomes now it's atrophied when it becomes animated I mean what you could uh, uh, maybe I don't know science medicine brain, brain could stop heart goes on something like that so just to use a Material examples. The heart is 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 everything. Because I'm not talking about the organ of the heart, but um, but heart overhead. We should use our head to soften our heart. That's that's the idea of, uh, of bhakti. So at any rate, faith is a very tangible thing. There's a world of faith, just like there's a world of doubt, hmm? and it's and it's and the movement there. The implication is is that it's free. It's not burdened by doubts. It's not a proceed with caution. It's like when you're at home. You're, 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 you're free to be uh, all that you want to be hmm, with, your, with your intimates and so forth. This is the land of, of Krishna, as he is, as he wants to be, to himself, with those who will agree to associate with him on such terms and so forth. So, <clears throat> so, Faith and Sharanagati, as much as faith is the um, the qualifier for the path, and that's a beautiful thing because obviously you need faith to do anything to proceed. Um, but the difference between bhakti, for example, and yoga, uh, ashtanga yoga, or gyan, uh, um, karma yoga, is that. You also need faith to proceed on those paths. You need faith to proceed along the path of Varnashram Dharma. Or if you don't have faith, in, 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 then you're, you're going to be sus- suspended. Suspicion leads to suspension. So our animation is, is, is suspended. Therefore, the Gita says, Shraddha, I am, what is it? Purusha. A person is their faith. That's what we are. We are our faith. If faith is interrupted if, if suspicion 
gets the upper hand, and to that extent, animation is arrested, and there's suspension. Hmm? The, the business of the guru is to remove the the, the suspension, awaken the faith by, by teaching, by by by, and it means shastriya shraddha, faith in the shraddha. What the what the argument is over the centuries in the living um, um, body of um, of of revelation. Hmm? Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's as I often say. If you want perfect knowledge, you need a perfect method. Well, this head head is not the perfect method. This is the perfect method. You need to fold your hands. It's beyond you. Perfection is beyond you. So let it reveal itself to us, if it should, and on its own terms. So revelation and sadhu sangha. This is this is the way. So uh, the difference then, in one sense, between bhakti marg of of Rupa Goswami and Yoga Marg, Gyan Marg, Karma Marg, they also require faith, but they require something else as well. Hmm? To proceed along the path of Astanga Yoga, there are many qualifications. To proceed along the path of Gyan, for example, you have to have a pure heart. Hmm? Therefore, the Gita stresses that you can't do Gyan unless you've done Nishkam Karma, because Nishkam Karma means removing from Karma a religious orientation to nishkam karma. Karma without, you've kind of taken the heart of it out of it, the, the, the desire for the result. You still may have a desire for the activity, but you're giving up the desire of the result. So now it becomes, from religious, it starts to become spiritual. And the heart is being cleansed in nishkam karma. In a soft way, if you will, in a gradual way, Instead of saying, okay, now you come and sit down here and just sit here. Be a contemplative. Well, you've got you've you got the momentum. You want to pull okay, you want to pull out the, the desire for the fruits because you can see, man, it's really a roller coaster. Uh, so okay, but I still want to have the propensity to do these things, this action. So it's a way to do the action and not have to get any negative result. And then the heart is becoming cleansed, ingress of wisdom comes and and so forth. So, point being, that for gyan, there's a huge qualification to practice gyan yoga. You have to have a pure heart. <laughs> so you got to start somewhere else. But with bhakti, then, what does Bhagavatam say in the in the center of the center of the Bhagavatam, in the Rasa Panchajaya, the five chapters of the Rasa Lila, after its narrative is over, what does Sukadeva says? Wow. Or excuse me, Perksha says, "Holy cow, what uh, he is the Dharma Setu, the very bridge of Dharma, hmm? supports Dharma, over and and he's running with other people's wives. How, how are we going? How am I supposed to put this together?" And Sukadev says, first he says, "One thing you should understand: he is the husband of the gopis' husbands." Hmm. Right then, what is the verse? He says, "Vrajavadu, Bhirja Vishnu, Shadhanvitam Nushanayaratvarnayadya, Bhakti Param Patilabjakamam, Hridrogam Ashvaha Hinoti Achirena Dira." The heart Hridrogam, the rid heart Rogam means disease. The disease of the heart 
is attachment, lust, calm. Hmm? The Rasalila is called Kambijai. We talked about it the other night. Calm, uh, calm is Vijay, completely conquered. Hmm? So the verse says, if you have the disease of lust in the heart, hmm, he wants to say, how pure is this Rasalila? Listen to the stories hmm, of Vishnu hmm, and his wives. He makes he, He's talking about Krishna, but for the purpose of emphasizing his 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 godhood so his majesty so that the that, that the that the madhurya will be sweet hmm? because he's god hmm? he calls him vishnu hmm? he says if you hear the narratives of vishnu with running with the uh, vrajavadu uh, the, the wives of braj hmm? in a particular way, shadhanvita, shadhanvita means with faith, having had faith awakened through sadhasanga, and here, then the bhakti, what happens is bhakti goes into your heart and it takes out the lust. Hmm? And it gives, in the context of giving the preem, so the point being what? That there's no prerequisite except the faith. Of course, where you have to get the faith, so there's sadhusanga. There's a sadhusanga in a general sense that gives rise to faith. And then the faith means, sadhusanga may come without, without um, effort on our part. We may meet the sadhus, right? Nard wasn't doing anything but living in the house of his, of his, where his, of, of his mother. And the sadhus came and it was raining out. Said, "Can we, you know, we have a place here?" He stayed on for a few months because it was the monsoon season. So without any effort, sadhu sangha came, and and that's the way of bhakti. It doesn't come by anything that we do. It she is independent. She goes where she wants. She puts herself in the heart of advanced devotees, and they. Are compassionate. They are the compassionate, the, the kripa shakti of Krishna, and so panchakalpatrubhyascha, kripa sindubhya evacha. They naturally share it as an overflowing of their own experience. So they, he got faith. Is the point now? Faith then, with faith comes effort, because faith is animating principle. So now we're going to move according to the faith. And according to what the next movement is, what? What is the next movement? From sadhu sangha, you get faith without moving, so to speak. It moves in relation to you. People say, hey, if I don't, what would they say? Love is, love is voluntary, something like that. Well, <laughs> if bhakti comes to you, you don't have much of a choice. <laughs> You may have a choice how fast to go, or you could offend also, but still it won't go away. Hmm? <laughs> so Krishna, Krishna has a choice. He makes a choice. Or let's say, not even Krishna. Krishna doesn't make a choice. Bhakti makes a choice. Hmm? Somehow or other, out of her independence, and manifests in such a way that it touches, she touches us. Hmm? And now we're, we're, then, then Krishna has to go there. He has no choice in the matter.
wherever bhakti goes, Krishna has to go there. So Krishna is not up there choosing who gets bhakti and who doesn't. Therefore, his position as being unbiased is preserved. But bhakti goes and tries to go everywhere. Well, she go she goes to the sadhus and the sadhus try to distribute to, and wherever that bhakti goes, then Krishna must must follow. And so, where do we go when bhakti comes to us? Effort then, what is our effort? We get the faith, so I say faith is movement. What happens next? Where do we go? We had sadhusanga, we got faith. Where does the faith take us? Where does it take us? It takes us to Sadhusanga again. Mm-hmm. Right? Without looking, Sadhusanga came to us, some form, without knowing. Agyata Sukriti, you got Bhakti Sangskar in another life as, as a cow. Mm-hmm. And your milk all went to the deities. Mm-hmm. And they never bloop, they're very steady. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> So, so bhakti comes to you. And then, when that accumulates to the point that it, that it, like a seed, a seed you plant, and it looks like nothing's happening, hmm? but roots are actually going down. The seed is germinating underground. This is agyata sukriti, gyata sukriti, and then it comes above the ground. Faith, shraddha, and it's animating. You know, I do something. What do I do? I want more. Of the same. Now I go for look for I I pursue the sadhu sangha, and in the context of that sadhu sangha, I find a sadhu, a particular sadhu who stands out naturally, hmm? even maybe even unexpected, come from quarters I wouldn't have you know thought. We we have to acknowledge. Hmm. I've I've given talks sometimes, and <laughs> and 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 devotees have said. Uh, who were visiting, that was a really good talk, but I said, there are no buts. <laughs> they were programmed to think it shouldn't have been a good talk coming from these quarters over here or something like that. <laughs> You're over thinking here. You've been programmed. To, it has to come in a certain place. Look where it comes. It comes, and we have to honor it there and so forth. So, so there we find uh, good guidance, and we learn the practice, we take initiation, so on and so forth. So the point being only that the difference, in one sense, between yoga marg, gyan marg, and so on and so forth, is that they require faith, but they require something more, too. Hmm? Bhakti doesn't require any qualification. And that is her strength. Hmm? Indeed. The other paths, to be fully efficacious, have to have some kind of bhakti. So now we're back to different kinds of bhakti. Hmm? So bhakti comes in a sattviki form. Just like the jnanis say, Say bhakti is is sattva guna. Hmm? Well, she has a sattviki form that she comes in and gives them brahma sayuja if they want it. Hmm? Without that, they can't they can't get it. Hmm? Um, there, and then that's one type. That's gyan mixed with bhakti. Hmm? Bhakti mishra gyan. Then you've got gyan mishra bhakti. Hmm? 
where bhakti is prominent, and there's an admixture of jnana. And then depending on the admixture of jnana, you're going to get different results. If the admixture is strong, hmm, then you're going to get something up to up to shantarasa, which is a huge difference between that and, and brahma-sayuja. Hmm? If the jnana is less, still you can get bhakti with aishvarya, hmm? beyond shantaras, like dasiras and so forth. And, and, and Mahaprabhu advocated jnana-shunya bhakti, bhakti without being encumbered by jnana, even in the extreme form of not knowing, for example, that Krishna is, is God, which is the goal of knowing that Krishna is the supreme personality of God, it's to you need that in order to pursue it, and then the pursuit ends up in in um, in kind of an unknowing hmm, that there might be intimacy and loving. So, different kinds of bhakti in the Gita. Then we we, we find uh, bhakti mixed with karma, bhakti mixed with yoga, bhakti mixed with jnana, jnana mixed with bhakti, yoga mixed with bhakti. The Gita moves like this to. It's not just saying there's all kinds of paths pick and choose. If you read it carefully, it's saying we're talking about one thing here, Ananya Bhakti, and we talk about it directly, we talk about it indirectly by talking about what it's not and showing other types of yoga and what the qualifications are. So that's not what the Gita is promoting. It's acknowledging. I mean, it is a mini um, interfaith you know, text, um, but in the context of its being an interfaith text, it it has a yardstick of 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 um, objectivity that it, uh, it 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 lays out, and and the, the tallest is <laughs> uh, uh, path is uh, is Ananya Bhakti, which is repeated throughout the text. You're going to find sections of the of the Gita where karma yoga is mentioned. You're going to find sections of the Gita where jnana is extolled, where the virtues of yoga as a practice uh, is, is extolled. Hmm? But you're not going to find that throughout the Gita. What you're going to find is seed verses throughout the Gita speaking about ananya bhakti. Hmm? And that's one of the ways for understanding what a book is really about. What's the beginning? What's the end? What's repeated throughout, for example, and so forth. So, so many types of bhakti. Now you're you're talking about within the context of our bhakti, direct bhakti and indirect bhakti. So you have this arop siddha bhakti, sangha siddha bhakti. So we do things that aren't inherently bhakti, but they become bhakti um, given the, the context, the order of the guru. I mean, that's another way, of course, of looking at it. You can turn everything into direct, into direct bhakti by saying, well, it's all the order of the guru. I live with my guru, he tells me what to do. <laughs> it's all direct bhakti. Hmm. Vaishnav uh, uh, seva uh, is adoguru uh, vashraya. Uh, this is bhakti, taking shelter of the guru, taking diksha, taking siksha. Vishrambena guru seva. So serving the guru affectionately with, uh, with confidence. So, so what that may what that may constitute, um, you can turn it all into anyway. But so, so this is the the idea, right? Hmm? Um, sometimes uh, Prabhupada used to turn like dovetail. It's kind of the idea that it's something that's being done that's not inherently bhakti, but it's turned into to bhakti. So um, there should be 
in answer to your question, a healthy diet of Sangha Siddha Bhakti, of hearing and chanting. So my Guru Maharaj, for example, gave his students you know, for two hours or so, you sit and chant japa, you go to the artiks, you hear the, the Bhagavatam recital, the Gita, and so forth. These are very powerful. And then in between, you know, you're busy, busy, busy for, um, at least in the ashram life, um, with uh, practical services, um, you know, but... Uh, uh, it, it's uh, uh, and there, of course, you have to be a little more philosophical, and you have to kind of, in a sense, make it bhakti by putting your heart into it and having the right conception about it, and so forth. Because service is not something that's done begrudgingly. Hmm? So you can hear and chant, and you're going to get an effect. But if you do other services aren't inherently bhakti begrudgingly, then the question is whether you're making it into bhakti, so to speak, or not. So that would be how maybe to look at the two sides. And um, and therefore, you know, sometimes we have to have uh, the philosophical discussions so that people can make a connection like, hey, I joined the ashram to become a, 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 a monk and become enlightened. And um, here I am... Um, um, doing accounting. That's weird. <laughs> you know, so you got to uh, so, uh, connect it all, connect the dots, so to speak. But but again, I mean, these Sangha Siddha Bhaktis is very powerful. They're, the examples are there. You know, even animals engaging in Sangha Siddha Bhakti and, and getting the results. Like I said, fires will... Burns, whether you believe it or not. So, so there, it's inherently powerful. We need a good, good dose of that, and that will then enable us to um, turn our whole lives and all our engagements, so to speak, into into uh, into bhakti. Does that help? Yeah. What else? Yeah. <laughs> um, so is is uh, Satviki Bhakti somehow Radha is like Bhakti is Radha? Like, yeah. Is Satviki? I mentioned Satviki Bhakti, by which the Gyanis can get, um, for example, Brahma Soyuja. He's asking because Bhakti is. Radharani is Bhakti Devi, so is Sattviki Bhakti some form of Radha also? Yeah, I mean, Bhakti is the grace of Krishna, so um, that is her power. She has the power to take a Sattviki form and have the power that Sattva unto itself doesn't have, because Sattva is knowledge, um, uh, is equated with Sattva. But that's why the Gyan Marg unto itself cannot give you liberation. Sattva can't give liberation. Karma, yoga, is, is, is governed by karma. Karma, no matter how you do it, even if you do it selflessly, it can't give you liberation. You have Rajagun and Tamagun, you're the best of them, hmm? and there's good results that come for it. You can become up to a Jivan Mukta, so that's the penultimate state. You're liberated in this life. Your Parabdha, your manifest karma is playing itself out, you're witnessing it, and so forth. But to get Videha Mukti, 
to uh, and enter into Brahman, for example, without bhakti, you can't. So sattviki bhakti, it's it's a transcendental potency of Krishna manifesting in within sattvaguna. It's not just sattvaguna. Hmm? That's the difference. Therefore, with that ingress of that into the life, the practice, then then one can attain their goal. However undesirable it might be from the bhakti perspective, some people want to merge into into Brahman in some capacity. Hmm. Brahma Sahuja. The big whale swallowing mouth of, of Brahma Sahuja. You don't want to go there. So, yeah, we we and uh, and for us of course there's there's the there's the explanation of Baba Bhakti, the definition of Bhakti Baba Bhakti. Uh Sudasatvavisheshatma Prema Suryam Susamibhag as a ray of the sun of Prem comes in, makes ingress into the heart and uh, and uh, it's Vishesh Sudasatva Vishesha particular combination of Sat Samvit and Hladini. See the different rasas will the Samvit and the Hladini, the knowing and the bliss will have is a different equation for the different rasas. So to know that I'm a cowherd, then the, the ladini is going to manifest in a particular way, um, or it's uh, as 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 a gopika and so forth. So the developments of prem, for example, sneha man pranay ragunarag mahabhav, where you your prem will go with regard to these developments is relative to your particular rasa. So that's the influence of. Pladini. So anyway, this is the this is Baba Bhakti, but it's not that but you're in touch with Surup Shakti from the very beginning. Hmm? But it's in Baba Bhakti, it's manifesting at the stage that comes having cleansed the heart. Hmm? Bhakti goes in. We said right, Hridrogam and cleans out the the, the the heart so it, it and, and and then then shreya kairaba chandrika vatarna some taste is coming from the other side an attachment hmm. the taste is specific the object because it corresponds with a specific object a particular form of krishna with certain qualities and so, and so forth and certain pose and certain leelas and and so forth so at that stage, what is happening in Baba Bhakti is the emotive component of Bhakti. Both Bhakti has both an active and an, and, a, and an inactive or internal. It's not really inactive, but internal, emotive. I should say, an active and an emotive aspect. In Sadhana Bhakti, mostly we're just doing the active part. Imitation of a good thing is a good thing. Hmm? When feeling comes. You do the same things, but you, but it's 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 driven by by the feeling. So some people, so there are there are acts in sadhana that are appropriate for sadhana, and bhava bhakti is a is a perfection. But there's also a practice in bhava bhakti, and there are practices that will be effective in bhava bhakti that trying to do in sadhana bhakti won't be very effective. And so you have to know your place, what you can incorporate into your practice. Hmm. So, 
So anyway, we are in, it, it is, we are in touch with the Krishna Surup Shakti. That's what bhakti is. And so, um, from, 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 from day one. Hmm. But now she's doing the scrubbing, hmm. cleansing the heart. Hmm. And then emotion will come. Hmm. But, yeah. It's otherworldly. She plays herself out, bhakti, on our senses. That's the idea. Um, yes, we have in senses, senses, we have a mind. We say that they are not sufficient instruments or intellect or vehicles for carrying us to transcendence hmm, under themselves. So we give them over to bhakti. Hmm. Ultimately, in bhava bhakti, Bhakti is is riding on the chitta. The whole antakarna becomes consumed by by bhakti. That's why another identity comes. As I said, you get another set of parents and so forth. <laughs> yes. So you're talking about bhakti being independent. How mm. um, it sounds then that there's nothing we can do to qualify ourselves for bhakti. Uh, she may come or not come. So what's our role? What, what, what can we do? It sounds like it's almost a helpless task if we can't, you know, if there's no cause and effect. Yeah. The point is that bhakti comes of her own accord. You can't do anything about that. You can't do something that makes you qualified. And bhakti says, oh, he's very qualified. <laughs> Nothing... That would make something a cause of bhakti. Hmm? You understand? And the story of Narada is there right in the beginning of the Bhagavatam. And the clear the, the commentaries are clear. You know, it's not because he was had, had all these nice qualities. He had nice qualities, but that's not why bhakti was given to him. Um, they can then be employed in bhakti. So that's the point. There's one thing is bhakti comes to us independently. Once she comes to us, then we exercise our will in relation to bhakti, to embrace bhakti, to proceed along the path of bhakti. Some people may resist bhakti and make offense to bhakti. Hmm? Right? So there's your effort there. So there's two things. There's grace and there's effort. So bhakti is so the grace. So we can all say, because we're trying to practice Christian consciousness, that we have, bhakti has come to us? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uttam bhakti of the sadhaka type. In the sadhaka version, it, it's 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 not that uttam bhakti is only is prema bhakti. Rupa Goswami defines uttam bhakti, then he explains sadhana, bhava, and and prema, and then bhakti rasa and all the details of bhakti rasa. So yes, 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 you are all uttam. That's why Prabhupada said they are all pure devotees. Hmm. May not be pure even, but your orientation, if properly understood, is I want shuddha bhakti. This is what I want. I want uttam bhakti. I want ananya bhakti. This is what I'm pursuing. Other things may be there, and where I'm at in terms of that pursuit and that ideal is cleansing out the other things. Hmm? So we should judge a person not by their past, neither by their present, but by their future, by their ideal. Very generous. <laughs> what is there? Do that with ourselves? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we should have an ideal. <laughs> we should have an ideal. Yes, 
that's that should be the central hub of our of our of our practice. So. And, uh, it will, and it it comes from outside. The ideal comes from outside. And it, it appears as if it's my own ideal, but we trace it out. We see, oh, it came from here. I feeling like this. I see my guru, the sadhus, they are like that also. I'm in the right place. <laughs> yeah. So, and particularly in sadhana bhakti, um, there's the effort of of giving one's will. Hmm. Right, because we have the other influence there on our on our will. The material energy is still has an influence. So, the sadhaka day is like a work in progress. When that is perfected, the sadhaka day, then then bhava bhakti, the higher stages of sadhana bhakti, then certain internal practices, for example, of of um, rag bhakti can be incorporated. Uh, like rag bhakti involves internal meditation on a meditative body in, in the context of the Leela. So you don't need any qualification for Rag Bhakti other than Mahat Kripa, mercy of great souls, by which you get that ideal and are attracted to that ideal. But that doesn't mean you can incorporate immediately all the practices of Rag Bhakti because, for example... As we already learned earlier in our discussion tonight, in order to do meditation, like in Gyanmarg, you need a pure heart. The same, more or less, holds true with bhakti. To effectively sit in a, in, in a meditative life, you have to have some qualification. You can try. Hmm? Learn about Krishna. Fix, we try to fix the mind on Krishna. That's what sadhana's about, obviously. But, but to to effectively do Leela Smaranam, it requires some purification. Therefore, as we, our eligibility for our path increases, then we can incorporate practices in such a way that they'll be, they'll be effective. Otherwise, it may be unbecoming. I mean, I give the example the other day, you want to go to India, okay, you need a ticket, you need a passport. It's a good ideal, hang on to that. You know, now do the things that are necessary. To make that happen, hmm. you're in the mall and you look at the map. You want to go to room, and you are here. And there are 108 steps to get there. And look now where the next step is. Keep that in mind. Look at the next step. Keep that in mind. Look at the next step. When you when you're looking at the step, and you can see there too, then then you can look up and just go. Prior to that, if you're just looking up, you'll trip. <laughs> you have to look at the step in front of you. One, ten, three. Understand it philosophically, connected with the goal philosophically. A certain point, if you to use the analogy of the staircase, you're going to be able to look up and you're going to see the top's right there, and then you can just walk. And... Anyway, <laughs> something like that. <clears throat> Or get to the top in my other example, the mountain, and it's all downhill from there. You can see the valley of love of God. It's there. Okay. And you can run down into the into the valley. So, yeah, some effort. Effort is required. And imitation of a good thing is a good thing. 
So bhakti, sadhana bhakti is kind of like an imitation. Hmm? You follow what the, what, the, what the devotees who you become attracted to are doing, you go through the motions, you get some bandhagyan so you understand why you're going through them and so forth. And sometimes some feeling will come too, some bliss, obviously, and and they're light up in the kirtan and so forth. And this is an anabas, anabas, a shadow of what's to come, foreshadowing. And it's very confirming, more so than all the philosophy, practically. That's important. But you need to have philosophy to rely on when when you're under the shadow of another influence. <laughs> and, uh, and so that keeps you... Uh, engage your intellect. Hmm? Engage your intellect. If intellect is engaged, then then the mind will be engaged. Senses will be engaged. And the unfortunate situation is that we're not, you know, booty driven, if you will, you know, because we do things that we know that our intelligence are not in our interest. Sometimes, all the time, hmm? problem. So, to fortify the the intellect with uh, spiritual directive. That's what you get in Bhagavad Gita. And in due course, that will bring taste, steadiness, which means things that are in the way have now been largely pushed out of the way. So they're not holding you back. With steadiness and practice, then taste will come. With taste will come attachment, and bhava will come. Amen. Brain. I find that if I'm understanding this correctly, um, the process of bhakti, or the purification process, uh, is very similar to the goal in in the in the uh, aspect of surrender, and how it's like a, it's like you use the word foreshadowing, like a foreshadowing of the experience. But even in the practice itself, we are, uh, like you said, imitation of a good thing is a good thing. We are. We are practicing surrender in all these forms of bhakti that that um, relate to the you know the, the the you know the constitutional relationship with with Godhead or the the the, the surrender the surrender aspect of that. Um, what you do in practice that determines your perfection. So there's a there's a kind of what you're saying. I think yeah, it's just a very beautiful. It's not a it's not a means to a different ends. It's a means to the same ends. The means is the ends. And it's not the case in in Gyan Marg and and uh, Yoga Marg and so forth. So that's very beautiful. And indeed, I mean, now you we can we can look at our life like an extension of Gaur Lila. That's one way to see that the the goal and the means are the same. Sadhana Siddhabhumi, this is Navadweep Siddhas acting like sadhakas in a leela. And it looks like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but Krishna leela also, you're offering the Arctic. Arctic's also going on there. Not exactly in a formal way. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you give, like take Jiva Goswami's beautiful description of, of Govardhan Hill mm-hmm. in Gopal Champu. And he explains how. Govardhan is offering all the 64 items of Seva Puja, that's the full form of the worship in every, every morning for the deity. Hmm? Through all of he, in his rivers are the bathing, and there's 
birds that live there. They're, they're singing as the kirtan and and there are flowers and there's caves for, for resting and so forth. So Govardhan is the full face of, of, of service. And incidentally, he towers above Vrindavan. That means he sees every Leela, there's none that he misses because he's such an embodiment of, of service. He's all all-knowing about Krishna Leela, so... Hmm. We're not just worshiping a stone there, right? He can tell everything. He knows all the secrets. <laughs> and why? Because, again, as I said, if you love someone, they'll tell you all their secrets. Therefore, he's described by Radharani in Bhagavatam in the Bhagavad Gita, Haridasvarya, Haridasvarya, the full, the, 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 the best Haridas, Haridas means servant of Hari, the best servant of Hari, she says. Hmm. He's in Vrindavan. He, all uh, Jiva Goswami's comment will come from that, based on, on that verse uh, of Bhagavatam as Gopal Chumpa. We see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu worshipping Govardhan, running after the sand dune in, 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 in Jagannath Puri as if it was Govardhan and experiencing it as such. And when he was running after it, to Govardhan, what was he singing? He was singing this verse, Haridaswarya from Bhagavatam. Hmm? When he came to Vrindavan, when Rupa Goswami came to Vrindavan, one of the verses invoked and so forth. So, hmm? I mean, it's, that's pretty. That's something if Radharani is saying, he's the best servant of Krishna. Of course, the other way to look at it is, when in Bhava, one projects their Bhava on others. So, She's the best servant of Krishna. That's what Govardhan will say. <laughs> hmm. yeah. It's a very, very beautiful concept. And so serving is tantamount, tantamount to knowing. Hmm. It's a good adage. And if you love someone, they'll tell you all the secrets, which means love is the end of knowledge. It's the final, it's the fullest form of, of knowledge. Hmm. And it's very practical. You can't. You don't hide. You don't hold back from someone. If you, they, you love them, you trust them. There's there. What happens? There's a pranai. There's a there's a. You, you feel there's no difference between us. Hmm? So there's nothing nothing to be hidden. Hmm? So good to worship. Uh, Govardhan Mahaprabhu used to hang the Govardhan around his neck and then. Take it off for the puja, and he would bathe the Govardhan with his with his tears. People say he gave the Govardhan Shila to Raghunath Das because Raghunath Das was a sudra, and sudras are not qualified to worship the Shalagram Shila, which is the Vishnu representation. Hmm. Oh, what's it's the smartest? Hmm. This is a offense to Raghunath Das. So, Mahabrabhu told Raghunathas how to worship the Shila. If you look carefully, that the ingredients that are required are very little, ostensibly. But look more carefully. And, uh, you have to bathe him with your tears. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's not so easy. Yeah. And you can't fake tears, but not enough to bathe. <laughs> so it means you have to give your heart entirely. That's the rag bhakti. So the more you give your heart, 
obviously, the more the ingredients and externals are on, are not required. That's the whole of Braj. They're worshiping Krishna entirely with their heart. And so there's no external paraphernalia of worship. And it's, it's, it's not detectable, almost, even by the people of Baikuntu who think, how can they act like that with him? And what, what's going on there? What is that, Leela? It takes a Mahaprabhu to come, a Gauru to come and explain that. Hmm? You can have examples of Guru Bhakti, too, where someone makes Guru Bhakti the Angi, the body, and Krishna Bhakti the Anga. And uh, usually it happens living in the moth or something like living in the monastery with the guru. And and, and uh, someone interrupts the guru and says, no, stop, no, you, sh- you should take this medicine. I'll do this and that. We were once hearing from Sridhar Maharaj, he was talking something quite um, interesting and deep and so forth. And then one of his um, lifelong disciples there at the Moth interrupted him. He stopped the talk, hmm, lifted up the cushion, pulled out an envelope, took out some money, gave it to him, put it back in. He took out some money. Before that? Some a disciple he was giving a talk, and a disciple and it was interrupted him. And we think, why are they interrupting the talk? And well, it's a disturbance. But and, and he said something in his ear, and then Sri Ramaraj picked up the cushion like this, pulled out an envelope. There was money, and he gave it to him, put it back in, returned, and he started talking. He said, "Oh, I think I owe you an explanation." <laughs> he said, "This is the service of Radharani, you know, the money and moth." And he looked at it like that, but. Um, it's not exactly the example of, of uh, but uh, I was looking for, but it's a nice story. But uh, with the disciple interrupts the guru, says, "Now you know you should stop, stop talking now. You have to stop talking now, you know, because I'm serving you, and and the service mandates that now you've talked too much and your heart is weak, and if you keep going like this, you're not going to get sufficient rest." And, uh, and so that's very beautiful. Hmm? That's very beautiful. Hmm? But it doesn't look, you know, it looks like you're stopping the guru from talking, you know, who are you, you know. So Vrindavan is something like that. They're wrestling Krishna to the ground and saying, who, who do you think you are, big guy? Hmm? So, <laughs> Radha is saying, you can't come in here. Hmm? Keep him away. I want nothing to do with him. It's God. It's the goal of everybody, you know. So the heart, uh, therefore... Rupa Goswami has a nice verse. He says, uh, what's that verse? Ahiri vagati premna svabhava kuti Aheto, aheto scha. Love in Vrindavan moves like a snake in a crooked way. Sometimes with cause, sometimes without cause. He says, sometimes Radharani is upset with Krishna for good reason and sometimes for no reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, <laughs> it's... Uh, Therefore, again, that's why the Gaudiyas, they use this word prem in the full sense of the term. The prem, there is a prem of Vaikuntha, but, yeah, it doesn't, it's obviously not the full face of prem. It's not a full um, validation of the human sensibility about, about love. 
agape, the Greek love and majesty, is different than worldly love. Here, the Godi has come with this transcendental eroticism. You know, you have the erotic love and the and the godly love. It's a very revolutionary idea. You can see the gates of the Vaikuntha have been opened and a special dispensation Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was coming to make available. Hmm? Yeah, take advantage. Anarpita charim charat karunavatina kalo samarapaitam unatoltu rasam sabhakti sriyam There's none, never before. Hmm? What's not bestowed, anarpita has been, samarpitam has been given in a big way. Hmm? The highest ideal of bhakti rasa, that he himself, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there's a verse about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Ashirvad verse of Chaitanya Charitamrita, the, the author is giving the blessing. It's actually a verse from Rupa Goswami that Krishnadas is employed in his Mongol charm there, but a beautiful verse about the dispensation of Mahaprabhu. Hmm? So it's bhakti is a gift, it's not a right, it's a gift. Therefore, the word lucky is used, causeless. Hmm? Count your, uh, what do they say, lucky stars, something like that. Yeah. It's beyond the, what the governs, the movement of the world, cause and effect, cause and effect. Hmm? Bhakti's not like karma, it's not, I'm not like I put a quarter in, now you owe me something. Hmm? You can't. You, you cannot. You cannot claim, call for justice when you're in line for mercy. If you're in line for mercy and somebody's behind you gets called, say, "Wait, I was here first. <laughs> Go to the back of the line." <laughs> no. Justice that is in the realm of uh, realm of karma. Hmm? You do this, you get that. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Mm, that's the way the world law works. And Vishnu doesn't get in the way of that. He doesn't get in the way of that. He cannot, oh, he, 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 he can, he could. He does in the form of mercy, but mercy is an overriding of justice. Mm. But you cannot just do away with justice. Otherwise you do away with the material nature. So Krishna has a relationship with his different shaktis, but he has a different relationship because the shaktis are different. So he has a relationship with his maya shakti that he defers to her in relation to the jiva's exploitation of her. The just thing is, well, he did this. They got a big computer going on down there with everybody's thoughts and words and deeds, and it equals this, okay? He doesn't get in the way. He sanctions that, hmm? Uh, so that's his relationship with the with the, with the Maya Shakti. Huh? Indirectly, of course, the Maya Shakti is is providing a negative impetus for the jivas to turn to Bhagawan. Hmm? Now, at the same time, Krishna is biased towards his devotees. He has to be. Once you become a devotee, then he's going to be biased towards you. But that's a beautiful thing. That's an ornament. That's not a... If he was biased and said, you can be a devotee, you can't, that would be a problem. Hmm? But if someone becomes a devotee, then 
How could he not be biased towards them? He comes for them. See, Krishna only relates to his devotees. He, he doesn't interact with conditioned souls directly. Bhakti does. Therefore, bhakti is the compassionate nature of Krishna. Krishna doesn't do that. That's the power of bhakti, too. She turns uh, sand into gold. Krishna doesn't, doesn't, he's completely aloof from the material energy. Bhakti is awesome and doesn't contaminate it by it, but she goes there and creates a place for him to come within. He comes within that. He's in the bubble. Always. So if you come inside that, that circle, then... Then you have, you, then you. That's where Krishna's compassion is experienced in relation to his devotees. Otherwise, his devotees then are the extension of that compassionate nature through which it touches the, the lives of the of the conditioned souls. So, a special place for the devotees. We call it Vaishnavism, right? It's a hard one to, to really fully understand. And that's the demarcation, in one sense, between the, the neophyte and the intermediate devotee. The, the one who goes through the motions and doesn't have much understanding and one who has understanding and, and, and the practice that affords some experience. The demarcation is the appreciation of the sadhu. The neophyte doesn't doesn't get that part. You learn to appreciate them as well at a distance. If you get enough distance, you can appreciate anybody. <laughs> Something like that. So, so yeah. And then, then if you really get that point, then obviously that's how you're going to call your progress by good association. That's how we're going to advance. You can chant again in one second with good association in terms of orientation and, and, and it's possible yeah. and so then you become a sadhu by doing that you become a sadhu and then alright so quick question yeah do smartas refer to themselves as smartas smarta brahmins yeah I think they do um yeah, it's uh, it's basically the religious um, expression within of Brahmins within the way to Vedanta. Hmm? Um, I, I don't know what the word smarta means actually. Smriti. Yeah, maybe in related to smriti. So. What about my bodies? They refer to themselves as mayavadis. Um, the Puranas do. The Puranas invoke the term mayavad in describing them. I think they refer to themselves as the Dvaitans. Hmm? But I mean, mayavad, they may look at it, mayavad, in a positive way and say, you know, it's a doctrine, the doctrine of maya. Hmm? Um, this famous statement of um, Shankar. Some people think it's an aphorism of the sutras, but it's not. What is that? He says, Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya. This is the doctrine of Maya. 
Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya, that the that Brahman is real, that the Jagat, the world, is 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 false. He means there is no world. There is a superimposition on Brahman, the one that causes an appearance of something that doesn't exist. It's like the real, like weak point, you know, the Achilles heel of of Advaita. Hmm. There's only one. What well, there's a perception of two, and who's perce- and, and it's very, you know, uh, they're, they're very sophisticated in their presentation and so forth. But, um, but anyway, yeah, there. It's Vada means like a doctrine, so Maya, the doctrine of Maya. Hmm. Um, but I don't know if they. I think they more readily refer to themselves as Advaitins. Are there Advaitins uh, preaching in the West? Like, there's a neo. There's a neo Advaitin movement. Yeah, there's a neo Advaitins who um, like to strip the Advaita of any religious baggage and uh, and so forth, which is uh, not something that Shankar did. Um, Shankar fully accepted in Shankar's doctrine. The Ishwar, although an illusion of of sattva guna is is important i mean the whole world of appearances is arising out of the ishwar's influence and so forth so um, um but yeah there are people um and it's an it's an interesting point because if you want to overturn the dominant um philosophical current of the time which is materialism, to use a broad term, reductionism or materialism, quasi-reduction, this, that, the other thing, naturalism, physicalism, materialism. Uh, it's all about consciousness and matter, consciousness and matter, how to, how to understand consciousness. So the attempt to reduce consciousness to matter and, and have a comprehensive explanation of everything, hmm? Because consciousness eludes this comprehensive explanation that everything is physical. So they stretch what is physical to try to fit it in and all kinds of theories, what it is. And that's, well, this is the scientists. Yeah, and philosophy today. Uh, well, I'm getting to that. Um, um, so there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of a non-dualism, materialistic non-dualism. Everything's physical. There's one substance only, and so then. But then, when you get into quantum mechanics, then there's some place for, uh, in typically in classical physics, Newtonian physics, the world is thought to be a closed. Um, what do they call it? causal closure? That all the causes of everything are within it. There's nothing from outside it that causes anything to happen. But with quantum mechanics, there seems there's some indetermination. Hmm? And so, exactly how that works is it, it, it's like hard to figure out. You know, from a classical physics point of view, they can't quite quantum mechanics doesn't quite fit in. But they most of them just ignore it. Say so anyway, we don't understand it, but but it works because sixty percent of our um, economy is based on quantum mechanics, looking at the world from a quantum mechanic perspective, and then turning data over to technology and making things happen. So they, they, they know it works, 
but why it is the way it is, it, it, it kind of, it's, it's, they can't figure it out. No, nobody understands quantum mechanics. Nobody. So as soon as somebody tells you they understand quantum mechanics, you can, you can write them off, practically. So, um, but there's all kinds of conjectures, fair enough, about what it might mean, what the implications are, and so on and so forth. So within the mix of that, there's a number of um, neo-Dwaitans and so forth that take advantage of the quantum perspective and the idea of an observer-dependent um, um, world, and then they there are some that posit that uh, that that the world isn't really there; it's an observation. See, the more that we, the more matter, what matter is, is really up for grabs right right now. And so there are some theorizing that matter is information rather than this hard stuff, um, you know. And it's it, and then some of these adwaitids will get in there and know a little bit about quantum physics. And there's some of them who are scientists as well in the West have written some books. And you got your Deepak Chopra. Chopra's kind of like that. He was a he was a doctor. There's another guy up in Oregon. I forget his name. Um, you know, writing these uh, spiritual type. No, some that's that's somebody else. Anyway, so they you know go in the direction of a a spiritual monism. Hmm? You want to say everything's physical, everything's matter. We're saying everything's consciousness, hmm? and you know you're kind of spiritual idealism. So the world's not really there; it's just an idea. There is no real world there. And so there there in transcendental meditation too in the Maharishi school there's a couple of people who get into this. So they so they, so it's an interesting um perspective. I mean their perspective is not much appreciated by 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 scientists who think that they don't know what they're talking about. But there is some overlapping and um you know and uh, they they deserve some more, more credit, perhaps, than the scientific community would like to give them. But my point I'm making that I think of as interest is if you want to change the world hmm, and you want to start at the top by what the philosophical community thinks, for the most part, philosophy nowadays is very much tied to scientific information, so much so that some people in the scientific community say, we don't need philosophy. Hmm? We don't need philosophy. We just need data. We just need observation. It's a, we don't need to speculate about what it, what it is. We just look at it. We, we, so, so you can't really do away with philosophy because you do have to interpret the data. Hmm? But there's a, there's there's some educated people making that argument. Um, so, so the consistently for the you know the the vast majority of the time the data is interpreted materially because we're all invested in that. We're invested in materialistic perspective. It's making the well, you're generating an economy based on that perspective, and so on and so forth. And there's so many reasons for it. I mean, they're not they're they're well thought out. I mean, materialistic people. I mean, in one sense, they have good reasons for thinking. They're not super good, and they're bad ultimately. But they're intelligent people. <laughs> so at any rate, if you if you want to overturn materialism. 
This is the this is the Achilles heel right here. Consciousness. Consciousness. Now in modern science there is a a following in the direction of what's called uh, panpsychism. Uh, ten years ago, you'd be thought to be a complete nut in the scientific community to believe in panpsychism, which means that consciousness is a fundamental part of the world. It's not coming from your brain. It's not created by some firing of some neurons. It's everywhere, underlying everything. Hmm? Because one of the reasons they think you are a nut is because they identify with consciousness in a particular way. They think that consciousness is the I that they think is only relative to humans. Humans have this sense of I. They don't think cows or, uh, or dogs or cats. Or, but now there's scientific evidence that insects have egos. That means they have a sense of I. So this panpsychism, which is a Vedanta perspective from our point of view or any type of form of Vedanta, um, is, you know, there's some credibility to this. Now they won't, they won't, they will, they'll, they'll go in that direction, but they'll resist the religious interpretations of it. And so we we'll still try to make it material and so whatever. But if you want to defeat materialism and go, you know, at the top where everything filters down from how people act and what they do, they don't realize what they're informed by and, and so forth, then you, then this is how you have to go, you have to, you have to, get into consciousness. And, 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 and what the Advaitins are doing, in one sense, in some Buddhists, it's kind of a good thing, in a way. Hmm? So, you know, you've got to pick your battles. If you want to preach Gaudiya Vaishnavism, you've got to see, hmm, in some ways I could align with these people, for now, hmm? um, you know, to some extent. But we, where we come in, of course, we have a different perspective, but we also come in, so what are the potential of consciousness and we nuance the whole thing. The world is false, but but it's there's something. It's a false perception of what the world is that we have. But there's something. There's some stuff there. There is a world, and and so on. But um, um, I could see the world. I could see science, and I've I've seen several articles recently of major players in the scientific community say we can't understand consciousness, and we will, we can't. And we we will never be able to. Hmm? Now, whether we'll never be able to, I don't agree with. But what he's saying, what they're saying is, we 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 are not we are not equipped to understand. There's no reason, evolutionary speaking, from a biological evolution perspective, that we should be able to understand everything just because we're humans. Any more than ants should be able to understand everything. Hmm? So they kind of say that consciousness is beyond the can of human, you know, understanding. And so we don't need to be that worried about it, <laughs> uh, but but we do because what's out there and who's seeing it is what life's all about, you know. So it's never going to go away, and um, we have much to offer there. So, but anybody that is promoting the idea that consciousness is independent of matter, we can, on some level, make a, a bond with them, hmm? and, um, and and then from there, you know we. It would be great if the world all believed that consciousness was independent of matter and that we are consciousness. And that the goal of life is to understand that. Even if they did nothing about it, it would, it would be such a... I mean, it's, you can't even think about what a change that would be. Now, life is entirely 
without a rudder. There's no anchor. I mean, there's no... And that's materialism. There is no purpose to life. You can make up meanings, and that's good. <laughs> but there is no no real meaning to life, no purpose. Uh, so to have a, you know, even if it's a Mayavada perspective, let it come, let the world go. Then we can get in there and talk, you know, debate about consciousness. And, and you, you got the trump card in Gaudiya Vaishnavism because there's no comparison in terms of charm um, and and if, and to say that consciousness does not matter, and that's all you can say, then you can say, "Sit down." That's all you can say. Thank you. We have something to say from here. Hmm? To say what it's not, yeah, that's one thing. Say what what it, what its potential is, what its what the you know to go from negative numbers to zero. Well, that's something. But what are the positive numbers? That's what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is about. So it really has much to offer, but you, you, you'll see if it goes in this direction. You'll see people go start going towards the Dwaita Vedanta kind of an idea, or, or even less than that, a Buddhist kind of idea. Hmm. But we don't need to fight against them necessarily, but we can very politely make our points and um, and build on it, so to speak. And practicing speaking, that's what we see happen in India. The Buddha came. Buddha came. Shankar came. Ramanuja came, Madhva, and the main speaker, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we're reliving it in the Western world. Right now, the Charvaks philosophy is prominent. Starbucks? Charvak. (laughs) (laughs) Same same thing, right? (laughs) Starbucks philosophy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Um, the, the idea of um, you were talking about how in in the quantum mechanics no. physics realm there is the, the matter is viewed. At, you didn't use the word, but the, it's used in that idiom uh, as potentiality. Mm-hmm. They think of matter as potentiality. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you uh, either harmonize that with the Gaudiya perspective, or or say no, that's not. I mean, how, how would you address that specifically? Yeah, we would say that a, that's fine. You know, you can look at it like that. Hmm. Potentialities. Hmm. I wouldn't argue with it. I mean, it, it's it's basically an argument that matters, information. And that is basically, as I understand it, the Sankhya argument that you find in the Bhagavad, the theistic Sankhya. It says, it's saying the world is inform- matters, information. Hmm. Um, rather than this hard stuff, something like that. Now, don't ask me to elaborate on that. Because I can't. I'm not, uh, I'm not real steeped in the, what is what is matter? Hmm? What matters, that I'm pretty sure about. But and, 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 you know, can you ever understand matter in its virgin state? In one sense, according to the Bhagavatam, no, that's why it's called maya. It can't be, can't be measured, can't be known. It's Vishnu maya. It's, hmm? Uh huh. Oh boy. So matter, they don't know what it is. They yeah. Describe it. Uh-huh. What it is, you know, they get then it gets into quantum physics. Mm-hmm. Electrons, protons, quarks. Then, you know, you start looking at them and it changes. They can only describe. Uh, they, they can say 
how it works. This is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never, they will never be able to. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bhagavatam says. They, they just pursue how it works. Yeah. It's only a pragmatic thing to, in, in terms of, and it's only pragmatic. The way science is functioning is it's really only pragmatic. It brings certain results, but it's only pragmatic within the context of a certain idea of what's important, what's valuable. So, trying to extend the human life or, you know, make gratify the senses more. I mean, that may seem pragmatic if that's your worldview. Hmm? But if not, it's not even pragmatic. <laughs> the truths of science, so to speak, of being profound and, 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 and um, giving understanding what it is, the nature of the nature of real, reality, and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're stuck with their perception of it, what it is in its virgin state. Then, and the Bhagavatam says, in one sense, it can't be known. I mean, it does describe matter. It's in Sankhya. And it describes it as multidimensional. The earth, water, fire, earth, these are dimensions, actually. And you see that in Briyad Bhagavatamrita, they're dimensions. Gopu Kumar entered the earth dimension, this, the, the air dimension, the fire dimension. Hmm? You know, it's not just solidity and liquidity and the, the, the elements described in the Gita or in the Sankhya philosophy in the, the, in the Bhagavatam as well. Uh, they're not like the elemental, you know, table and you learned in, in, in 101 chemistry, something like that. It's a different idea. Hmm. Um, yeah, oh. we'll stop there. Sri Guru Gauranga Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Ki Jai.